You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Flipping Tables is coming up on its two-year anniversary. That's 104 consecutive episodes without a single week missed. To celebrate, Mike and I are going to do a live event on January 30th we're calling Super Flipping Tables Let's Play Ultra Arcade Edition 104 Plus, where we'll be playing old games and answering listener questions. To find out how you can join, go to sunriserobot.net slash blog slash two flipping years. Welcome to Flipping Tables, episode 102. I am one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm your other host, Michael Edwards. And I I think I have an important point of order that I'm going to put you on the spot to make a decision right now. 102, 102, 102? I'm going to say 10 a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, the proper is probably to go 102. <laughs> it, does, it feels a little more formal, right, to say the whole thing <laughs> yeah. out? But it, it's it's a big, it's a huge, gigantic number, so I don't know. Maybe the formality is okay. Anyway, I'm back. I was gone, and I've returned. Well, I didn't go anywhere. Everybody else went somewhere. That's right. We had a guest host last week. We did. Did you feel left out? I didn't. It was actually really exciting to see the episode come up in my feed and get to listen to it and be like, oh, this is what it's like for all of our listeners. They get to hear people talk about smart things. Which is like kind of a little compliment to me and you, but you know, it's fine. Cool with it. So you had some of your own thoughts on those topics, though. I did. Um, and in no particular order, uh, Shelby got a MacBook One for Christmas? Yeah, so, I, <laughs> so I, I'm in the Apple subreddit and someone just posts that Best Buy is giving a $300 discount on them. What? And it wasn't even like the base model with like no RAM and like it just sucks. It was uh, the the 256 gig and i was just like okay we can do this <laughs> and, and is you got the gold one right yeah i mean we were looking at the space gray but she I, was ex and they didn't have any of those but then she was like i like the gold and so we <laughs> went for it so she's blinging because that's what she takes to work right so every day she sits down at her desk and it's just like i gotta put sunglasses on to do my work <laughs> well she still has a work laptop but it's a giant dell like <laughs> so big like 15 inch not 15 inch thick i know that you have to specify <laughs> but no so dell this, makes really awesome laptops but it, that's not what workplaces <laughs> usually buy and and i feel like shelby is and because she's not uh like super techie like she doesn't obsess about it but she's nowhere near inept so i feel like she is a perfect uh customer for the one port because what does she care about plugging all kinds of peripherals and garbage in there like <laughs> she probably doesn't even own any like usb keys or any kind of weird devices that would need to plug in it has a camera so you're not going to use an external i camera. can't think of anything she's had to plug into a computer in a long time like a printer maybe but that's about it. But yes, I, I understand you have been slacking on fixing your wireless <laughs> printer because I don't print anything, so it doesn't bother me. And then... no, it. So we we have a printer that Susan has to use for work, but it's not wireless, and it can technically I could like mash it into the back of my router and like make it fake wireless, but I just don't care. <laughs> and every time I have to print something, I'm like looking at her across the the space we both work in like oh god that printer could, might as well be a thousand <laughs> miles away because <laughs> i have to carry my laptop over there like a crazy person but anyway um i'll be very interested to hear like long term how she feels about it because i mean i you know she's used os 10 and i know she's familiar with max but like the the form factor and everything um i was blown away by the fact that she said she loved the keyboard yeah she's obsessed with it <laughs> Have you? Did you like sit down and, and type anything on it? Yeah, I mean, not long enough for it to like fade away that I was using a different kind of keyboard, but I didn't have any trouble making words happen. And you, so I mean, you use a, an Apple Bluetooth keyboard, so it's not like you're used to the long throw of a typewriter. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I don't have an IBM Model M or anything. <laughs> I'm really tempted to get a keyboard like that, but I'm afraid, one, that it will annoy the crap out of anybody who's near me while I'm typing. You want the throw? Do you want the noise? 
I kind of like the noise. Uh, I like the noise for one second, and then I'm like, oh my God, shut up. And this is the thing, is am I willing to spend $300 (laughs) to see if I like it for more than a single second? So if somebody has one they want to loan me, that'd be nice, but they're really expensive keyboards. Um, so let's see what other things you guys talk about that I oh so the 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 ear 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 pods the smart bud thing braggy, braggy braggy dash <laughs> um, I remember hearing about those when they were on Kickstarter and being pretty impressed like they seem neat and I think this is um, pipe dreamy right like can they possibly work as well like. Where they're that lightweight and the battery lasts long enough, and they they don't fall out of my ears and immediately get lost in the pool or on the side of the road or whatever. Um, these are not small hurdles, right? These are tall yeah. mountains. So, yeah, I, I would really want those. Like they sell the the cord to like be a safety if they fall out. I really want them to never fall out. Like I want to trust them. Yeah. That much. Yeah, I want it to be the the magical, you know, little thing from her that I just put in and it somehow only comes out when I choose to remove it. I don't know, in uh, in the later Enders Enders game series like later way later on in the books, he uh he has basically like a her that he talks to and it's but it's a jewel in his ear. It's like an implant. Isn't that just speaker for the dead right off the bat he has that, doesn't he? Uh, you might be right. It's been a couple of years. I since remember I that being series. part of that. That's as far as I ever went in the series. So it's definitely, yeah. There. Okay. There you go. Um, but in like one of the last books, he, he has a reason to take it out for a minute. And although they call it an implant, he like removes it just like he just takes it out. So it's kind of like, well, is that where we have to go to where this thing is like somehow physically attached to you that you would wear it all the time? Cause I don't know if it's just my ears, man, but I've never had magic earbuds that never, ever fall out under any circumstances. Yeah. And like for podcasting, I, I use the Apple earbuds cause they, they cost me free. And so, <laughs> and I like voices, you don't really need high quality headphones when you're just listening to people talk and you're going running. But when, if I'm doing anything like exercise, like jogging on a treadmill or something, um, those don't stay in my ears. Like if, if I'm just sitting on the bus, it's fine. But any sort of actual athletic aerobic activity, and they're gone. It's so annoying. The only headphones I've ever had in you know in ear that have ever actually stayed in are actually my uh, my my Bose noise canceling ones, which are uh, like the soft tip. But then there's also the weird little hook, which I think looks completely stupid, <laughs> but it seems to work. Like, I don't know if it's just the shape of my ears or if I just happen to get an exact right fit, but the little hook thing seems to work pretty well. You like know, it I, goes over your ear? No, no. It's it's the like the in-ear oh. hook. It's like, I don't, I don't have them. Oh, wait, I do. Our listeners can look at this. No, but I can put a link in the show notes, which they can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 102. But so you 102. It's this, yeah, <laughs> see it's happening already. But yeah, see, it's like this crazy little hook goes in your ear. What? Like it just fills up space, so it... it yeah, kind of. <laughs> it, I mean, it looks uncomfortable, it looks stupid, but it works like gangbusters. <laughs> you stab this into your ear. <laughs> exactly. But I'm so telling you, it's you great. don't think you're going to drop 300 on a braggy dash? Hell no. I will <laughs> let... You buy them and then ask you how they work. <laughs> Man, the the three or four hour battery is that is that bad or good for Bluetooth headphones? Um, I mean, I have two pairs of Bluetooth headphones that I never ever use, and both of them easily get ten hours. Yeah, that's ten. Seems like the nice like I'm never going to listen to not even ten hours of audio, but it's like a safe buffer on like. Oh, I'm traveling. I'm going to zone out for these different pockets of time. And I don't want to have to charge my earbuds. But the the dash just sounds like on a travel day, I'm going to have to charge them at some point, And that's going to be annoying. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have the case. So I guess when you're not wearing them, you just throw them in the case. But but still, it's like now what do you, you have your backup headphones for while those are charging. Yeah. I mean, that's why uh, the, the reason. So I have a pair of in-ear Bluetooth headphones that I don't really like that much. Um, and the reason I don't like them is because 
the the little safety strap that connects them that doesn't do anything um when you move it like thumps against your chest or your the back of your neck depending on where you have it and the vibration very much travels up into is your it ears. just like a rubber strap so yeah i feel yeah. like there was some set of apple headphones that did that that it was like oh, i can't use these because so i move loud. it's bumping my ears it's so freaking loud it's like when you bump a mic stand and the mic just, tra- just <laughs> receives it all um but the other uh so i also have a pair of cans um that I actually quite like. I just don't wear cans that much. But the reason that I chose those, uh, I think actually uh, Matt Duncan of Bits and Pieces oh, yeah. recommended those because they also have a, you know, a, a 3.5 jack you can plug in. So if they die, you just plug the little thing in and you just go right back to whatever you were doing. Not um, on an iPhone 7, supposedly. Who uh, knows? <laughs> um, but that that's why I got those. And then, unfortunately, after I had them for a while, I was like, I don't want to wear cans all the time. Sometimes I just want little in-ear, lazy, you know, wrap them up, put them in my bag. <sighs> Headphones are hard. Um, I am also really interested in uh, smart bras. <laughs> because smart bras... Like, you want to wear them? You want them to exist? You want other people to wear them? Yes, I just need to know that they exist in the world. No, I so genuinely, um, I really do wonder, is there not something more useful that they could do than just, like, fitness stuff? Like, could they do, like, super accurate heart monitoring since they are literally right there near your heart? Um, you know, for someone who has like a heart issue, you know, could they maybe get a more accurate reading um, because it's near kind of like a soft part of your body? Could it maybe do uh, uh, like blood checking for people with diabetes or, or, you know, illnesses they have to take medications for? Like, is counting steps really all the smart wearables <laughs> are able to do? Yeah, it's getting really like boring to have it on your feature list of like and takes your pulse. Yeah, it's like, oh, great. Thanks. Especially because I, I think Shelby really nailed it. Like, you're not going to buy four or five of those and then wear them every single day. And if you work out multiple times a week, it's like, well, it got all sweaty. So now I have to wa- wash my wash. I have to wash. <laughs> I got to wash my smart bra before I can work out again. But with, uh, you know, a smart, like a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or a, an Android Wear watch, like, you could just wear that all the time, every day, all, all the, all the, all the time. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense for fitness stuff to happen in that device because that device is on you all the time, like your ankle bracelet from prison. <laughs> yes. um, which actually does lead me to uh, one other important thing. Um, the correct time to charge your smartwatch is when you are getting ready for the day, getting ready for bed. And that is how you can use it for sleep tracking. Yeah. Yes. Because my my Moto 360, my first gen sad flat tire having <laughs> moto 360 hey the new it, one has a flat tire still <laughs> yeah apparently that has something to do with the um the light sensor Don't i didn't realize care. that yeah <laughs> i mean i'm i've gotten used to it and blah blah whatever but um my device i i love my watch it does not get nearly as good battery life as yours does you could definitely do the like oh, i'm brushing my teeth so it's on the charger and then I'm like getting dressed. And then when, you know, just kind of like the last thing you do is grab your wallet. Like then you put your watch back on. Yeah. And I have found that living my life like that, I am able to cons- keep it consistently charged. It's never anywhere near a hundred percent, but that's the thing is it instead it hovers between about 30 and 70%. And it's just always in that range. <laughs> Well, these devices are smart about how they use their battery, so it's not like you're using the same part of the battery over and over. Well, yeah, I mean, it, hopefully. Um, but that's the thing, is it's 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 uh, totally doable. And I said, I think in what, like way back in like episode 98, before the holidays, um, one of my resolutions was to do more like fitness tracking stuff. And... Uh, <laughs> The, the app that I'm using to track my sleep, um, you can give it permission to access uh, heart rate data. So I now have a couple really funny charts from the last few nights. Uh, 
you know, my daughter was born on Saturday last week. She came home on Sunday. And uh, if you've never been around a newborn, they wake up like a lot and they've got to be fed and they cry. And so she sleeps like a baby. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where that expression came from because it's bullshit. <laughs> but um, what I can see now that I think is kind of funny is uh, there's three three sections in my sleep tracker. There's uh, light sleep, REM sleep, or yeah, so four, I guess. Light sleep, REM sleep, deep sleep, but then there's also a section called awake. So if it has determined that you're awake, it will flag that section. So like if you get up and go to the toilet in the middle of the night, it doesn't count that as sleep. It's like, oh, you were awake for this, you know, yeah. two minutes or whatever. Well, now that it's also logging my heart rate, like periodically, uh, I had, uh, Susan woke me up cause she needed me for something with baby. So I'm startled awake. <laughs> so it says I have, you know, my heart rate is like 50, 60, 50, 60, 180. <laughs> and then there's this little block of awake and then it dips back down into light sleep and my heart rate slows back down. That's when you had a heart attack. <laughs> It's just like, wow, your body really does not handle being jarred awake very well. Like, not yeah. good for your health. <laughs> but it's interesting. Like, this is the exact kind of crap that I wanted to get out of quantified self. <laughs> like, 10 years from now, will this data have informed my life in a significant way? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, it, like, right now in the moment, it's very interesting to see, like, oh, yes. Uh, having a kid is actually killing me a little bit. Like it's, it is literally sucking the life forces from me. Um, but yeah, did I have other, I do want to talk about conversational UI a little bit more extensively, but I want to make sure that I get to my other follow up. I think I did. I think you guys did really great. I was actually, uh, I kind of want you and Shelby to do a show so I can listen to it. I don't want her to replace me on this show, but maybe a different show. So we, conversational need, we need a concept. Realized. We do. We need. We we can workshop it. We can brainstorm. We can have uh, some thought explosions. It sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you What do you got to say about conversational UIs? Uh, how you liking Lark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I told you in the pre-show. <laughs> I'm still using it, but I'm I'm. It's kind of worn off the novelty, and I'm just kind of like, nah, I don't need you. <laughs> And I don't need you, Lark. So let's let's be fair and separate out. Uh, is it the interactions that you're getting tired of, or are you just fitness app? You're kind of like a fitness app. I I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it it tries to like give you advice, and I just don't need to hear its advice all the time. Like you know, I'll <laughs> tell it like, yeah, I had salad. I had salad and like a soup and it's like oh did you know that salads are healthy that's gonna help you reach your goals and i'm like yeah that's why i'm eating it <laughs> shut up so it's getting a little i don't know it's it's not smart enough so i think the the conversational format could work in 10 or 20 years when it's like i can't tell that it's not a person so but, okay that's an amazing segue. Thank you for that. Because <laughs> one of the things I've been noticing is a lot of the blogs I read, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, uh, there are certain voices that are really, really loud about this idea of um, bots and messaging as a platform, right? That's what I always hear it called is messaging as a platform. You and I, we're professionals, so we call it a conversational UI, but everybody else seems to be calling it messaging as a platform and Map. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um show title um, but that's uh that's the thing is is one of the things i had asked you about and that you guys talked a little bit about on the episode last week was uh that you don't really ask it questions it asks you questions and if the way it's talking to you becomes annoying, you can't really tell it like, Hey, stop being annoying. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not a person. So there's this kind of uncanny Valley, like it fails the Turing test kind of thing. And this is what I'm curious about with, with bot UIs is, is does a normal person 
one, understand this, and two, want to do this. Like if if you go to you know Joe Technology Buyer and you say, "Oh, here's the Amazon Echo," and you can say, you know, "Behold, Monolith, play my favorite you know music," and it will do that. Then to that person, you haven't really sold them a device you can talk to. You've sold them a device it can request music from. And then you can also sell them a device that will tell them the weather. And you can also sell them a device that will tell them their to-dos and their upcoming appointment. But I have a suspicion that in that person's mind, it is a device that does exactly as many things as they remember that it can do. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you ask a person what a computer, like a traditional laptop can do, they would be like, well, it could do anything because they they're able to conceptualize that there is functionality beyond their understanding. Whereas with a a conversational UI, whether it's voice or text, it's kind of like, well, I don't know what it can do. Well, and what if like the context matters? Because I I think a lot of the conversational UI stuff, um, a lot of people are envisioning it. It's how you will interact with another business or the services of a business. And so it's less about like being at the command prompt and being like, what do I want to do with my life? I don't even know. It's more like, I'm really angry that my vacuum is broken and I'm talking to their bot and I'm seeing if it'll give me a replacement. And it's sort of like you, you already had a mission before you got to that bot. And so you, you wouldn't be at the blank command prompt of, I have no idea what is even possible in this world. So that's an excellent point. And to me, that is two wildly different conversations from the way I hear people in the media lumping them together. Because if I show up at a big air quotes website for this vacuum company, but instead I really just call up the the website or the, the vacuum company's bot and I say, hello, vacuum company. And the bot says, you know, hello, consumer. And then I have my conversation as if I was talking to a person, then yes, I think you're right because there's a really clear context. Well, and then the, I guess the, the one other connection to that was if that bot was your bot. And so you go, Hey friend bot, Hey Alexa, my vacuum's (laughs) broken. What can I do? Alexa behind the scenes figures out how to talk to that company. You don't have to track down a website, a phone number, any of that bullshit. Well, and that's exactly the side of it that I'm curious about is will we be able to cross that personal assistant boundary anytime in the near future where not only are all these things powerful enough to talk to each other, but like the cooperation happens, right? Is, is, if I have an Android phone, but I'm using Apple Music, <laughs> am I going to be able to? Am I going to be able to say like, oh, you know, hey, phone assistant, can you please pay my my monthly Apple Music subscription to keep my subscription active? Like, is my Android device going to even be allowed to talk to that bot? Well, is- I think what needs well, not what needs to happen. What will probably happen is some company will win and gets to own that <laughs> land. And suddenly all the other businesses are forced to talk to that. It's like Facebook somehow wins and everyone loves their bot and uses it. And now if you're a vacuum company, you're like, we have to make a bot that talks to Facebook's <laughs> service. And Our so vacuum fa- has to talk to Facebook. And Facebook will publish their spec and they'll support it as terribly as their meta tags are supported. <laughs> and But that's kind of how it would happen is someone will win with the users and every company will have to flock to whatever, whether it's open or proprietary, it'll. Yeah. And I mean, this is something that I see as a benefit of conversation UIs and bot UIs is I don't want to have an entire phone book full of like, oh, well, this is the vacuum cleaner website bot. And this is the, you know, the audio equipment website bot. And this is the juice you know, store on the corner that makes great smoothies. This is their bot. So I can order before I leave the house. Like I just want to say, I just want to like bark thoughts. (laughs) You don't keep a list of IP addresses of your websites you want to go to. (laughs) Well, I do, but I know normal consumers don't, but yeah, I mean, this is the thing is with like Facebook M or, or some of these other ones that I've, I've heard a little bit about like Slack bot in, in, in Slack we, we use and we love like, I don't want to have, 
50,000 different commands because then I think it's that problem, right? It's the terminal discovery problem. I have no idea what this thing is capable of. I want to be able to open my one assistant as if I'm talking to a person exactly like you're describing and say, hey, assistant, my vacuum's broken. What do I do? And then the assistant says, what brand is it? And I say, it's an Orkin. And then they say like, you know, I will go and get that fixed for you. Like, let me, here's the nearest whatever Orkin repair shop. Like, I don't see this working any other way because I don't see normal people doing anything more complicated than what I just described. I don't see tech people doing anything more complicated than what I described. And I mean, the other thing, I mean, I guess we say conversation UI doesn't have to be speech, but I'm still can't help but think of that'll be part of it. Like, yeah, some people will be willing to type, but um, like the, the speech recognition has to get so much better. And I know like Siri's not among the best at it, but even, (laughs) even the, the best of it is still not like, thoughtlessly like you you still kind of feel like you gotta enunciate or like um phrase your things in a way that it'll understand and like it needs to get to that star trek level of just like you know you're you're half awake slurring it from the couch because <laughs> you realize you fell asleep and it's 2 a.m and you need to go to your bed but you're like oh, turn the lights off and then like the bot figures it out <laughs> well do you think there's some benefit to text-based uh not just because it's it's likely to be more accurate but um almost like a privacy like <laughs> i gotta a, laugh at likely to be more accurate <laughs> <laughs> well i mean come on people mistype stuff pretty hilariously there's whole tum blogs dedicated to autocorrect but i think if you are on the metro right you're going into downtown out of the suburbs you're going to work uh, you don't, if your personal assistant works really well via what we would call like a text message, yeah, you could dictate those text messages out loud, but do you really want to do that on the no, train? Like, I want that in the home because I don't know if I'm going to be holding my phone. I just want to, to like yell from whatever room I'm in. But yeah, right. on the go, like, I'm probably going to want to type it in. Yeah. And that, I mean, I want to even be able to just like, if I'm at a, a you know, say I'm having a party at my house and it's kind of loud, like, I want to be able to just take my phone out of my pocket and and open up. Uh, we need a goofy name for our assistant. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Helios. I'm gonna say I'm ordering <laughs> yeah. Helios around. So I just want to take out my phone and open my messaging app of choice and send a message to Helios that says like order three more pizzas. You know, more people than I thought showed up. Order three more pizzas, and I want that to be the end of the discussion, as if. Yeah, had, like it knows you know, the kinds of pizzas yeah. you order and it's just like whatever, get like one cheese and one with some pineapple and like it just, <laughs> it just figures it out. Yeah, and then it, it knows my credit card, it bills it. Because to me, this is whenever someone says like, oh, it's just like a personal digital assistant. It's like, well, the thing that makes having a real human assistant cool is that they would eventually learn your like little stupid idiosyncrasies and they would know your tastes and things and you wouldn't have to spell out every single step. Yeah. In instruction. The insane level of rapport or the ability to just like go figure it out. Like I gave you a pretty complex task, but you're capable. Go do it. Yeah. And especially with something like, you know, I want pizza. This is something in, in our day jobs. I think you and I used to run into a lot where people would say like, I, I need to get information from point A to point B, but they became obsessed with the implementation details and it's like, no, 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 you just need to get the, all you need to care about is getting the information there. So if I say to the bot, you know, my little, you know, Helios messenger, I just like order pizza. I don't really care if a machine somewhere pumps out smoke signals. Like as long as 30 <laughs> minutes later, pizza shows up, then everything between me asking for pizza, the and Amazon drone pizza, drops it up. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. I mean, this could be skywriting. This could be telegraph. Like I, I do not care. As long as I go, pizza, and then later <laughs> pizza goes into my mouth, <laughs> then everything in between is can be black box. Yeah, I was just thinking, how small could a pizza shop be if it, no humans were involved? <laughs> Pretty small. It'd just I guess. B- be an oven that somehow drops it into a box that a bot picks up. <laughs> yeah. A drone picks up. This uh, sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) How many restaurants could you fit? There'd just be these weird industrial like blocks in the middle of cities that's just all the food. (laughs) Except that'd probably be dangerous for like diseases and 
rodents and stuff but yeah i assume you would have to have some kind of standards in place you can't just have food like out in the weather i i do want to invest in your pizza drone business though that has no humans it's gonna be pure profit mike we're gonna be rich uh anything else about conversational ui so yeah the 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 impact on me it needs to be like not involve a lot of my cognitive powers to to do anything like the it needs to abstract all that away all the different bots it talks to everything yeah and and that's really what i want is i want to be able to choose the bot i am talking to so if i am a google person i want to be able to talk to the google bot if i'm a facebook person i want to be able to talk to facebook m if i'm a microsoft person i want to be able to talk to microsoft skype xp plus bot 2000 NT edition, whatever. Um, But then on the other side, I need that to be able to talk to businesses, right? Just like, I know it's it's always the corny metaphor, but you wouldn't buy a telephone that could only call numbers that started with a six. Like that would just be really stupid. And technology has forced us into silos like that where we tolerate it. But I think more and more people are realizing that that's not, normal and not consumer beneficial it's very beneficial to the companies you know the company that makes the paint on the outside of the silo is like raking it in but for the people trapped inside the silo they're like i don't care how pretty the paint is on the outside i'm trapped in this little walled garden area yeah we just have to hope that whoever creates that protocol either open sources it or like that they aren't complete dicks about it well, and this is why I like the idea of um, all of the bots on the other side being completely abstracted away. Because to me, if I, I mean, I know I said smoke signals and that's obviously really, really awesome. But if I say something to a human, like if I say to you, like, hey, Mike, go get pizza, everything between then and when you come back with pizza does not matter to me. Like, I may have said the 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 request it's like in an API. I mean, it is an API. Yeah, but it could be APIs across some proprietary standards, some open standards, some old technology, some new technology. Like as long as each piece of the chain can connect to its neighboring piece, it doesn't have to be able to connect to every other piece, right? Yeah, but someone will own the piece that's in the middle between all the businesses, and I'm just saying, I hope that's not facebook and they're just dicks about it like i i'd rather it be some open standard that now businesses still have to compete on being good businesses not on haha i own that i'm gonna tax you to come through yeah yeah and i mean you don't want to say like well i want to order pizza at pizza so i have to use the google bot because they have a deal that's with true pizza. i don't want a huge fragmentation either of like right Oh, yeah, you're no, in Boston. I mean, Boston is a Google bot city. <laughs> yeah, I mean, open, I'm I'm always going to default open. It's not very often that closed and proprietary <laughs> is the superior way to go. So not never, but certainly not often. God, I just got thinking now about like if cities kind of <laughs> got tied up with one specific infrastructure of it. So like imagine a world where ev- literally everything every door every light everything in a city is primarily controlled through these bots and so when you go to your hotel room they expect you to use your phone or watch to turn your lights on they don't put buttons or it's just annoying to use the buttons in the room and so you don't <laughs> want to have to use them and so you go to a city and it's like my technology literally can't speak the language of the city and it's just like you're a foreigner because of your chosen platform yeah, it'd be like uh, I went to a restaurant one time to uh, celebrate a birthday, and I thought it was t- like shirt and tie required, but it was actually jacket required. So they had to like give me the loner jacket, which Is immediately, that a Disney? I d- yeah. <laughs> but it immediately identifies you, you to that? everyone in the room as the person who didn't know they were supposed to wear a coat. Yeah. You know, so it's like if you went to that city, let's just pick on Boston. So you go to Boston and Boston's a big Google town, but you're an iPhone person. And then you go to check into your hotel and they're like, oh, you have an iPhone? Well, you have to wear this, you know, dunce hat. (laughs) And this will allow you to unlock the 
the room, but everyone's going to know It's you're like that guy. your phone has to talk to this brick you have to carry that then talks to. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, put, I know that would this just be an app, on. but... But still, like, it's never going to be as good as the native experience. <laughs> yeah, this, all of this is uh, is scary because the, the potential for success is tremendous and the potential for profit is really tremendous. And whenever the potential for profit is tremendous, you're going to have people who are, like, trying to control as much as possible. Yeah. Um, one other thing I actually forgot to mention in my, my earlier follow-up was uh, Google actually like kind of did this years ago where you could text a query to some number and say like define dancing and it would send you back the definition or you could say like you know nearest pizza hut and it would send you back the address that kind of thing and i i, I think they were just too early i think they <laughs> they kind of they pulled a microsoft and they knew that that was going to be a thing people wanted to do and then smartphone, you know, the iPhone moment. Like Marty happened. McFly playing rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> Your kids are going to love it. But yeah, I mean, you know, the iPhone happened and then you could just open a browser and go to Google and it it preempted the need for this like text message interface with Google. And then now we've like sort of circled all the way back around where people are like, yeah, I have a screen with 8,000 pixels per inch, but I really just want to stare exclusively at text. <laughs> Okay, so I no, just want the no more no more high res maps. No, just text will be fine. Thank you. Okay, well we we can show you a picture of the front of the building. I said text will be fine. Thank you. Good day. I think that's the end of conversational you. Okay. <laughs> you want to talk about VR? I do. Is it is it going to happen? <laughs> I I think yes and no. I mean. It's happening for games. It seems like it's really happening for games. People are really excited about what it's like to experience very simulation interactive kind of things in VR. Um, but for uh, outside of gaming and or like entertainment, I guess as a category, um, what what are people going to use it for? We're not we're not going to be like the '90s disclosure movie where you're like they're opening virtual file cabinets and pulling out digital files at work. I really hope not <laughs> because you know that there are some people who are still going to think that's cool and I'm just terrified it might catch on. I don't think it's possible at this point. but The, the, the return of skewmorphism. <laughs> with a vengeance too. Um, but no, so I, I'll throw a link to this in the show notes, but um, Google released a... It, it reads a little bit like a press release, but basically there was this, uh, if I remember the details, I'm just going to make them up. So who cares? But there was like a, a kid who <laughs> needed surgery and these doctors were like, no, we can't, we don't have any good way to like model the surgery. And then they did some kind of crazy VR modeling and then they did the Google cardboard and then they were like, oh no, we could go around this, the organ this way and we could do that. And, they ended up being able to perform this uh, this life saving surgery, which is wonderful and amazing, but um, certainly not like a consumer use for VR, right? Like, if there is a use in the medical field for VR where that's going to be able to help people uh, save lives and live happier, healthier lives, and all like that, like that's big thumbs up. I'm not trying to yeah. take away from that. It's just not consumer. That's well, like, yeah, like really advanced flight simulators for pilots or like astronauts like fine that doesn't yeah. mean everyone <laughs> buys microsoft flight simulator and crashes <laughs> into the ground over and over <laughs> but in different planes each time man it seems like the whole flight simulator thing completely died like it, is any company making serious flight sims anymore microsoft they still put out new flight simulators yes <laughs> wow it just, yeah, it, it's never a headline anymore. It's like, well, this no. one has, well, it looks realistic. Okay. Yeah. Oh, neat. Still. Um, it looks yeah, still realistic. What is the killer app for regular people? And I guess gaming's the most mainstream thing. And I'm not saying game, like gaming is super mainstream, like fine, but like, what, yeah, I mean, what else are you going to do? I, I wonder if, um, presence 
stuff. And I don't know if that's the right term, but here, here's what I mean. Um, you You're are going to be Snoke. <laughs> yeah. No, kind of like the opposite of that because he's like projected into yeah. a space, but he can't move. So what I'm talking about is like, I have a little robot that is hiking a mountain because I can't hike that mountain. Either I can't get to the mountain or I'm, I'm physically disabled or I'm, I'm old or whatever. And, uh, then I put on the headset and it's like, I'm there (laughs) and I can imagine, I mean, the world is a really big place. And even if you are very healthy, it's, it's expensive to travel. But if you could, for a fee, rent this robot with a super (laughs) high def camera on it and like climb up a mountain or go walk the Great Wall of China or something like I I would do that. And I don't mean a recording. I want to be specific here. I don't want a recording of someone else doing it. I want to walk around and look around like that to me would be. And you want it to be a bot that's actually there, not a model of it that you're exploring virtually. Correct. So I can't get this picture out of my head. Like, as annoying as you think people taking pictures of the Grand Canyon with an iPad, can you imagine you get to the Grand Canyon and there's these noisy robots walking around everywhere and you're just trying to have like a peaceful moment looking at the canyon. It's like... (laughs) You... Yes. I mean, that's completely It's going to be obnoxious. Every tourist location on Earth. These damn robots. (laughs) surrogates yeah i mean it, it's exactly like surrogates except i'm imagining like two foot tall like terminator looking robots <laughs> because why not but i mean i'm this is this is kind of the problem in the vr space is look at me grasping for straws like with all of the the words that have been written and spoken about this topic like still desperately grasping for straws because all of the uses I can think of are completely valid. They're just not consumer facing like architecture and interior design. Like, yeah, not really broadly consumer facing medical stuff, totally valid, not really consumer facing some, you know, aspects in education. Absolutely. A hundred percent, not broadly consumer facing. And it's possible that this is just not a broadly consumer facing thing, except (laughs) What about movies? I mean, I think this is what we're waiting on Disney or some other very, someone with billions of dollars that wants to invest in the future. <laughs> like Disney comes to mind, but um, since they own every cinematic universe. <laughs> now. Um, but we had that article a couple months ago where like the, was it ILM was experimenting with like, they had like the Jurassic Park, like dinosaur thing, but it's like, movies but we need to we need to lose that word because that moving pictures like yes yeah but cinema but interactive entertainment experiences that someone you know who's going to be the first like artistic like not just haha it's scary or it's fun you're on a roller coaster <laughs> like what's the first drama and what does that even mean in vr like you're you're in a stage play that interacts and reacts to you it's like we have a lot of, like, what's our best cultural touchstone? Is it like how to host a murder <laughs> with VR? I don't know. Um, I mean, I can I'm imagine struggling. a lot of, yeah, I, I can imagine before we got to interactive responsive stuff, which I think will happen eventually. I mean, uh, on a long enough time horizon, we'll get the holodeck, right? But um, I think before that, I would even just be happy to, do the multi-camera thing where it's like I can watch the force awakens or I can put on the VR helmet and see the entire movie from Ray's point of view, like as if I were her, you know, and just see the lightsaber in her hand and, and turn my head and, you know, and see like exactly what she would be seeing if she turned her head that way. Like that not only does that seem like something that would be broadly consumer facing, but it also seems like something that could be done right now with existing technology. Like you could put little small cameras everywhere and then edit them out in post and then make those streams available in one way or another. Yeah. And I could really see some talented artists doing some really compelling shit with that. Like completely like entire storylines, entire aspects of characters that you're like, oh, that guy's a dick. Like we thought he was the hero, but <laughs> look at all this shit he's doing. Um, I'm swearing up a storm. <laughs> so many 
I'm giving a lot of shit this episode. Um, um, well, okay, so you actually, I didn't even think of what I think you were just hinting at, but um, can my, imagine telling a story where, so not only am I seeing the movie from Ray's point of view, but I can opt to see what she was doing when she's not on screen when I'm watching like the, the theatrical cut. You know, which I mean is you get into a yeah. ludicrous, like, are you really going to well, show me every single minute of every single I mean, day? You're going to, you're going to do this as a, di- as a digital animated movie anyway, so that you can have all these angles for free, for free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, still, like, I don't really, I don't want to, if I'm watching Toy Story, I don't want to just see a dark box because the toys are put <laughs> away for hours, right? You'd still have to artfully shape around that. Yeah. But I think it would be interesting to be like, oh, in the theatrical version, like in the version the director made in this scene, Woody is not present, but I can switch to Woody view and see what he was doing during this scene. Yeah. The only thing I I wonder about is, I mean, I imagine there's going to be a spectrum, but you can blur what's traditionally like movies with games or interactive stuff. Um, and what will be the audience appetite? Like, is, I think there's still a strong segment of entertainment that's like, I'm going to sit down and you're going to entertain me. And yes. then there's the other impulse where people know I want to do it. I want to shoot the bag. I like you want to play. And like, those are different things. And I don't know if the blurring is great. Like if I'm in, like, I don't play, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good example, but there's like those Dungeons and Dragons movies that are like choose your own adventure DVDs. Yeah. And I think they're kind of awful. I'm sure they are. Because no matter what, you end up in the sea of dust and you're just like, (laughs) (laughs) they could only make so many branches to this tree before it had to go here. Um, And so it's like a game, sorry, and, (laughs) and not a good movie. And it's like not, I'm not saying it's automatically bad to mix them, but it's like, and I know you're not saying that these things would be games. They'd still be stories that you're you're witnessing from different points of view. But the fact that I have to think about which point of view I'm switching to, I could see some people going, uh, I just want to watch something. I don't want to have to, like, choose. Oh, <laughs> I can't yeah, even I mean, pick a movie. <laughs> if, if you even look uh, over the last few years, we've hit, like, a a new golden age of cinema and television. And yet, the highest you know, grossing TV shows and the highest viewership is still garbage. Like the big bang theory and freaking bachelor. It's just like (laughs) crap. Like the, because it's junk food. Like the reason I don't watch reality TV is because 30 seconds in, I'm like, then what happened? Like I will get sucked in. I am just as psychologically susceptible to that stuff as anyone else. The difference is, I like try really, really hard to avoid it. Whereas apparently tens of millions of people every Thursday at nine or whatever, like go out of their way to watch it. Um, that doesn't make me better than them. It makes me a lot better than them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, but like, I think that's the thing is these, these experiences wouldn't necessarily replace those, right? Um, having cheesecake as an option does not, uh, negate Doritos is an option, but you will have some people who are like, I didn't really want Doritos. Oh, Hey, there's cheesecake. I'm going to have cheesecake instead of nothing. Yeah. Now I can have cheesecake because cheesecake is an option. So, you know, one, you'll have the artsy people who are like, Oh, I want to see, you know, this scene from each character's point of it view. It totally redefines the entire story. Yeah. That, um, but then I think you'll have people who are like, I just want to see, you know, this action sequence from a different camera angle. And I'm willing to be taken out of the theatrical universe to just pan the camera around. Um, And, uh, you know, neither of us uh, huge, certainly you more than me, but neither of us big sports people, but sports. Um, (laughs) Right? Yeah. Well, I've long wanted a feed that has no announcers or like some kind of minimalist. Like, I don't care about... Like in the good old days of satellite. (laughs) Like, I just want to listen to the game and maybe the in-stadium guy that's, like, foul on number four. Like, I want to know that, but I don't want to know every stupid little story about the quarterback. Um, No, I mean, I don't know how anyone enjoys listening to that. Like, for someone who likes sports, that to me feels, like, antithetical to sports. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, think of, like, ref cam. 
where you could be either watching what the cameras are seeing or you could put on your Google Cardboard and be like, oh, I'm literally on the field watching the game. Yeah, I definitely, I can see that. I, I like your cheesecake analogy because it lets me agree with you that uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's good that there could be that option. But like, what I wouldn't want to see disappear is that there's a, I don't want to say filmmaker, there's someone who makes these things that's like, I made this. I didn't make a big question mark that you have to go fill in all the blanks and decide how you're going to experience it. And it's like, yeah, there are some things I want to choose how I encounter them. But then I love films where I'm like, this is someone else's vision and they set this down and they made it this way. And I just want to experience what they wanted me to see. Like, you don't want to go to the end of a book and it's just like, I don't know, you tell me. I don't know how it ends. <laughs> did, did the butler do it? What do you think? Send your answers to 600 North. Yeah. And that's no, what I, it feels like. To I can't be like, imagine that going away, though. I mean, yeah. can you? Like, can, I'm talking no. completely going away. Like, that just does not seem plausible. No, but I would hate it if, like, the the choose-your-own-camera angle became so embedded that we just kind of, like, th- th- there's only 1% of the, the directed stuff. Yeah, I it's mean, not going to happen though. People are going to want to sit back on their couch and be entertained. So, I I think it is it is unlikely that it would completely take over, but I would not be surprised if in the '90s and early 2000s there were a lot of uh, creative music people who were saying, "Well, people are always going to want like an album experience. They're going to want to <laughs> hear how these songs fit together." Right. And now people are like, what the hell is an album? Like, I just want to hear Journey. I don't want to hear everything yeah. Journey's ever written. Well, what you made me think of was like, I, I love single player games, but almost every game has to have a multiplayer mode now. And I'm like, those developers had to spend how many months building a multiplayer shooter mode? And how many of those months could have been? I mean, there's a mythical man month involved, but you know, <laughs> they might have stretched their resources and not been able to do all they could have done for the single player game. And that's what it feels like to me is like that kind of trade off. And maybe the economics will not work out that way whatsoever, and it doesn't matter, <laughs> and these things can coexist. So that actually, that's a, the economics of it is a really good point because with uh, <clears throat> my music analogy, the person who wants to listen to the entirety of, of dark side of the moon while watching the wizard of Oz, like that it's already packaged, right? Or, or you can listen to just one song and there's not a damn thing you can do to stop me. But with the things we're talking about with these like amazing new experiences and multiple camera angles and what are these characters doing? And like people have to first make that right. It's not like they're going to be able to retrofit like old Dick Van Dyke episodes <laughs> to let me see everything from Richie's point of view. Right. So there's going to be a huge barrier to entry. Um, and I think because of that, you're going to have more people who are still like, no, I still want to produce like my story with my chosen camera angles and my music cues. And I'm not going to do all this extra work to make this interactive shenanigans. Even if it's the popular thing, that's not what I want to make. And because of that higher barrier to entry, it'll probably have a more um, kind of distributed equilibrium. Whereas with music, everybody's like, no, I want exactly the song I want when I want it. I don't want to listen to albums. Albums are dumb. Yeah, I'll take a second to say that I I don't want to sound like I'm against the new VR experiences. I really desperately want to try them. badly i really really do and so i I wouldn't want to be the guy in the 1800 that's like nothing will replace books books let you use your (laughs) imagination that thing just tells you what to see and yeah i've never totally understood that argument with book people i can't remember if sue and i talked about this a few what maybe 10 episodes ago when when you were out traveling but um people give me crap for listening to audiobooks and like well, but then you're you're being told how the characters sound. And I'm like, yeah, but the author also told me what the characters said. So, <laughs> like, I mean... What not- trickle <laughs> of information is acceptable to you? <laughs> exactly. It's like, why the arbitrary cutoff? Like, 
do you really want to imagine every single character in the Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings universe? Is it that big of a deal if there's a narrator? Um, but I think this is, is, is not unlike that is there will be some people who are like, no, I just, I just want the director to tell me what to look at and when to look at it. And there's nothing wrong with that experience. And there's going to be other people who are like, no, I want to decide. I want to be as if I were the cameraman. Um, and there's probably going to be whole new, not just methods of storytelling, but if you had control over what you're seeing and hearing and whose point of view, that could lend um, an interesting uh, angle, I guess, to <laughs> other industries like uh, like even just something mundane like a cooking show. Like if there's 10 contestants all competing, but I really only care about that one contestant. So I'm just yeah. going to watch them the whole time. And now from my point of view, this isn't like a competition cooking show. It's like this person already won <laughs> because they're the only chef. And now imagine, so the, the impact on reality TV is <laughs> who gets invited <laughs> back or who gets a show. They'll have insane analytics on who the entire audience was staring at the whole time. Yeah. And it's Which not just when did creepy. they change channels because they got bored of that character. Like they'll have really detailed. Oh man, there's an entire crazy big data thing all behind that that's going to influence even more than it does today at this moment, how these shows are made because anybody who thinks reality TV is still real, like, Oh my God, you know, come on, just, just come on. But <laughs> it's going to get even more crafted and massaged because they're going to be able to say like, Oh, 90% of our viewers didn't really care about Jimmy. They were watching Johnny the entire show. <laughs> So from here on out... It'll be out, much more mundane. They were staring at Johnny's ass the whole time. <laughs> they weren't even watching him cook. <laughs> was, so now it's just 24 to... hours of Johnny's ass. On TV. <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> um, man, I don't, I don't know what I could possibly... <laughs> you do have something in the, the notes here about people using VR headsets in public. Um, do you, oh, do you, that's you're, just that you're I, obviously kind of mocking this, right? People in cafes with like big honking headsets. Oh, there on. was just a funny picture on Twitter and the tweet was just like, uh, Brooklyn. And it just showed like a guy passed out on a table and next to him, a guy staring up into a VR helmet, <laughs> enjoying some fantastic world. And just the, the contrast <laughs> is so funny to me. And <laughs> so that's funny. And then I, and then I just saw a kid buying one of the Samsung VR devices at Best Buy. And so I was like, oh, these things are in stores. So you, you've you watched all of Black Mirror? No. No. Have you seen any of Black Mirror? Some of the first season is all. Oh, geez. Okay, so you need to watch the John Hamm Christmas special. I've um, seen the trailer, so I kind of know the premise that like his wife like blocked him in real life. And she just he just can't see or understand her. Yes. So... Uh, the, the relevant detail to take away here is everybody looks normal. Like there is no way you can tell by just looking at a person that they have what they call Zed eyes. Um, but it's, 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 a uh, it's, it's Google glass, right? It's an overlay. It's, it's, it's a uh, Microsoft HoloLens. It's an overlay on reality. So you can see like a little menu, you have a little remote thing and you can see like a little menu that floats up around in front of you. And, I think uh, this kind of VR stuff is everybody likes to make fun of. Uh, what was that one kid on like the cover of Time magazine? It's like a, a young guy and he's in like this super awkward. Do you really not know what I'm talking no, about? No, I don't. Oh, man. I'll, uh, I'll throw a link in the show notes, but somebody basically found it. <laughs> I found him also photoshopped into Leo DiCaprio's arms on the Titanic. <laughs> yeah. Hanging no. off the edge of the pool. Yeah. It, it was begging for photoshops. Also and... next to Michael Jackson doing a <laughs> really, <laughs> he does kind of look like he's doing thriller a little bit. Yeah. But that's the thing is, is watching someone do VR is like watching someone go insane because <laughs> you cannot see. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, he does kind of look like he's moonwalking um, because you can't see and in a lot of cases hear any of the things they're seeing and hearing. So they look crazy. But 
we got used to people talking on Bluetooth, you know, like wireless things. I don't know. I still get tricked every once in a while where I'm like, yes. is that guy talking to me? Oh. But when you realize he's not, you immediately forget. It completely yeah. rolls off your back, right? And with, with this Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> one is my favorite. <laughs> um, but with something like that, it's it's impossible for you to forget because there's this huge reminder like, oh, he is in another world, Right. And I wonder if we'll become, you know, more accepting of it if it's just like there's a little Blade Runner flash on your pupils. And if I see the little Blade Runner flash on your pupils, then I know you're not really looking at me. You're looking at, you know, a game or a movie or whatever. But your your eyes are seeing something I'm not seeing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, is that from <laughs> Alien? Yeah. <laughs> Popping out of his chest. <laughs> uh, I love when us. the internet decides they're going at something, they... <laughs> They don't let up. It's the th- million monkeys that a million typewriters. Like <laughs> you just have so many resources being indiscriminately thrown at a problem. Is so you just blind watchmaker this? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Um, yeah, I think that'll be a big step forward for VR. Is when the the headsets are when it's really AR, just immersive AR or something. Well, I was just gonna say when the the headsets are are cool. Right, like I don't know about these you. are the Zach Morris cell phones of VR. They are like even then we knew that those things look stupid. Like I, when I was a kid, um, and the Mike Tyson boxing matches on pay per view were super popular. You know, in like the the nineties, um, my neighbor, who's a big boxing fan, he would buy them. He would buy the boxing match, and we would all like everybody in the neighborhood would go over. He'd throw a big party. The fights always lasted like twenty seconds, but that's not really why you were there. Everybody was. You know, the adults were drinking, the kids were playing in the pool, and everybody's having a grand old time. Um, he had a rear projection television. You remember those? Yeah. And even as a kid, I remember thinking, wow, that TV is big and looks <laughs> awful. Because, like, you had to be directly in front of it, you know, horizontally and vertically. Otherwise, the color was all washed out or yeah, just black. Yeah, the viewing angles sucked. Yeah, the viewing angles were just completely untenable for a large group. And and the the audio was weird because there was a huge speaker array in the bottom, but it was behind like fake wood paneling, so it was all like, <laughs> and it's just. But you knew large TVs made sense. Yeah, it's just that those large TVs sucked. Do you think I, curved I think TVs make sense? Not to launch into something separate, but you know, I've never used one in person. It seems like they I just ha- shrink the viewing angle. Like, well, if you're on the side. Oh, sorry. Certainly. You don't no, get the, this. It side. is meant for a solo experience. But I've been in movie theaters. So bachelor's pads. <laughs> yeah. Bachelor pad, um, you know, couple cuddling. So they're kind of at a similar viewing angle. <laughs> but yeah, no. Mom, dad, and three kids all spread out across the living room. Curved TV makes no sense. Yeah. So you think VR is in the Zach Moore cell phone stage? What? I do. And it's because the hardware is goofy and, and strange. It's it's because the hardware is goofy and strange and the phrase we've beaten to death, there's no killer app. There's nothing right now that makes buying VR worth it. And that's that's speaking as a gamer, right? There's no game right now that I'm like, oh, I have to get, you know, the Oculus yeah. Rift so I can play this game. If if Portal Three is announced and they're like only for whatever VR headset, yeah. I'm gonna be like, I guess I'm going to Amazon. So I know that like you you don't know ahead of time, but I'm just like so curious, what is gonna be that killer app? Like, what's gonna emerge that's just like, oh my god, that's the doom of VR or Half Life Three? <laughs> you think you think uh, Valve's waiting? I mean, didn't you joke about that? Like dozens of episodes ago like that uh half-life and half-life 2 like pushed those platforms forward and now that there's no new thing to push forward they're just waiting well i, I don't even think that's a joke i think they they've definitely used half-life as an excuse to like build technology and i mean i can't blame them if they, i mean we don't know if that's the reason they haven't created a third one but it's like well we can make a prettier half-life 2 not good enough not no. not a good enough reason no, I think I mean they they very much fall into the 
their art is more important to them than making money kind of camp of creatives. They yeah. have other revenue sources, so they don't have to put out a, yeah. a version of Half-Life 3 they're not happy with. Because I could say Half-Life was, you know, insanely advanced at like the scripted events, which seem pretty basic now. Every game has them. Um, and it just had a good story. But Half-Life 2 was, you know, physics, facial animation, and like modern lighting models. And so... I don't know. So many things that came with that are still like we're getting better versions of them, but they're kind of the same idea. Like, oh, lighting and physics. Great. Right. But but now imagine, think about Portal and how hard it is to solve those puzzles. And now if you want to look to the other side of the room to see if your companion cube is going to fall in the right place, you actually have to turn your head. Does that make it a better game? I'm not saying it makes it a better game. I'm saying it's something different. Yeah. And and it's something different with a game type that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying needs to emerge is like someone will figure out what the interesting mechanic is that uses what you're doing in a virtual space. And it's, it can't just be, well, it's like in real life when you had to walk 40 miles to the next city. It's like, I don't want to do that. The whole point, like when I'm playing a game, I, I want to be the hero. I don't want to have to actually be as good as the hero. And so, is it a Euro Truck Simulator <laughs> where the game happens in real time, or whatever the Penn and Teller's one? The <laughs> oh yeah, they did one too, <laughs> where it's just slightly to the side, so you have to keep turning back. <laughs> um, so here, here the, bef- before we close out the episode, I think I've got, I've got it. Okay, so <laughs> close your eyes, listeners, and Mike, and try to imagine. I'm doing it. I'm actually closing okay. my eyes. You have a virtual filing cabinet and you can reach out with your real hand and pull it open and actually sift through the files. Son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm pretty happy with going out on that. (laughs) Okay. I want to imagine that you actually spent a minute picturing that too before you were like, this asshole. I mean, on some level, you you say things and you're going to visualize, like, don't think of an elephant. You just thought of an elephant. I'm sorry. And so, but I love elephants, so yeah. I win. All right, take us out. <laughs> you find the show notes for this episode, as always, at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash one zero two for episode 102. <laughs> Mike and I both love feedback, so if you want to reach out to us and tell us what VR killer app your stealth startup is coming up with right now, you can find me on Twitter at Lines and Beta. And Mike, you are at pseudo Michael S U D O Michael. You had to think about it, didn't you? Yeah, I was. Just, I did. I was going to autopilot it out. And... <laughs> it's like, what is he saying? Well, also oh, right, in our template changed. here, it's wrong, so it <laughs> doesn't help. Um, it's all changed on the website. Yeah, I got a new Twitter name. If you didn't listen last week. You can find us on Twitter. Reach out. Give us feedback. Tell us what we did right, what we did wrong. Um, You can also help out by subscribing. That lets us know you'll get the episodes every week. We don't have to lose sleep over whether or not you're going to get the next episode. And if you really want to make sure other people are finding episodes, you can leave us a rating and review in iTunes. That helps people find it in search. It helps people find it and recommend it and new and noteworthy and all that stuff. Um, If you want to do the extra mile right? Really go above and beyond. You've, you've at mentioned us on Twitter. You've left us a review in iTunes. You can go to patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And depending on the level you donate at, you might get your name shouted out at the end of one or more of all the shows on sunrise robot. So with that, I want to give a special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, Oculus Rift Cunningham, Carolyn Kraut, and Cliff Lyons. We love you all so much. We could not do this without you. Woo! See you next week.